It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's holding the Vikings back from a Super Bowl run? Plus, the Wolves look sharp in their first game without Cat. Could this be a sign of things to come? We're breaking it all down. It's coming up next on Superior Sports Talk. Locked On Sports Minnesota Podcast. It's endless Minnesota Vikings talk with the diverse voices of your local experts. Now it's Superior Sports Talk with Kara Levin sports anchor Reggie Wilson and Luke Inman. It's 30 minutes every day and it's all the Minnesota sports you need. It's Superior Sports Talk and it starts now. Back in the lab, Reggie and Luke back at it. Another episode, Superior Sports Talk, presented by Lockdown Sports Minnesota. It's your daily 30-minute breakdown of everything Minnesota sports, which you can now find streaming on your Roku or Amazon Fire Stick devices. Just look out for our Lockdown Sports Minnesota app there as well. That's the man, Reggie Wilson, on Twitter, at Reggie Wilson TV. Check him out every night up on CARE 11. Thursday, Reg, how you feeling? Feeling good, man. You know, it's uh, another day closer to the weekend. And, you know, all the fun stuff happens on the weekend. So much to get into. But first, remember, follow along Locked On Minnesota YouTube channel. Hit the subscribe button. Leave us a comment. And on Twitter, give us a follow. It's at Locked On M-I-N. And remember, we're a podcast, too. Free and available. All platforms. Spotify, Apple, you name it. We got it. Tons of great choices over there. You got the Ron Johnson show. You got the football party and more. Your one-stop shop with endless Viking stock with local experts. Do us a favor. Hit the subscribe button and drop us a five-star review. All right. To football we go. Reg, what's the one thing holding this Vikings team back from a Super Bowl? I mean, they're 9-2, and two, likely going to lock up the two-seed in the conference. Good a time as any to get hot at the end and go finish the job. ESPN's latest article, they picked one thing from each playoff-bound team they need to worry about when it comes to what's holding them back. For the Vikings... It was rookie right guard Ed Ingram. They say arguably maybe the worst pass-blocking guard in the league right now. The article was quick to point out how similar of a situation the Bengals were in last year when they got to the big show and the Rams really exposed their pass-blocking in the second half of that Super Bowl. And specifically, their starting rookie guard, Hakeem Jenny. Do you agree Ingram is the weak link holding this team back? And if so, do you think the Vikings then should make a switch now before it's too late? No, I don't think he's the quote-unquote weak link. I think he is struggling. You know, he's he's taking his rookie lumps, and I don't believe that he's going to continue to struggle like that. But, you know, it's, it's tough. It's tough. That transition from, you know, the league, uh, from SEC, which, you know, everybody's big on the SEC and rightfully so, like majority of all these NFL players are, you know, playing at a high level coming from down there. But I think they drafted this guy for the long term. And sometimes you just have to take your lumps with the guy just so he can learn and understand and, and grow. And I don't believe that he's going to be a bad player in this league. I just think that he's getting a little overwhelmed by some of these um teams that they're playing and some of the players that he has to match up against that article talked about lining up somebody like Micah Parsons over him each and every time. And it's a mismatch. And that's a scary thought. 
It is. But I do think that he just continues to have to get coached up and they got to get him some help sometimes as well to make sure he's not on an island at that guard position. And I just think it's kind of, I don't know, almost like low-hanging fruit to just talk about him. And I understand he struggled, mm-hmm. and that's that's tough. But I don't think it's it's him as the quote-unquote weakest link on the team. It's just so funny because coming into the season, so many people were talking about, oh, man, Garrett Bradbury, he's the weak link on that line, blah, blah, blah. We haven't said a thing about Garrett Bradbury. Like, he could possibly get extended. Like, he's played so well. And most of the attention, most of the focus when it goes to that offensive line, now it's on someone like Ed Ingram. And it's it's just it's kind of tough for him. But as far as weak links go, I don't think he is the, the weakest link on that team. What do you think is holding them back from a Super Bowl run? Like we talk about offensive consistency. What worries you? What do you think is holding them back? What's their Achilles heel when you look at the long haul, the big picture, trying to host that Lombardi at the end? Especially with the struggles that he's had this season, I do understand why you why you are scared of uh, a Greg Joseph and maybe a game coming down to him because he hasn't necessarily given people the most confidence in his abilities. You know that he can be a good kicker. Uh, NFC Special Teams Player of the Week earlier this season, like he has it in him. He's kicked well in the past, but he's got the the yips or he, you know, he's got the the zoomies. I don't know how you explain it. It's, it's a little tough, but I think if I was gonna go with, you know, what scares me the most about them making a run is that defense and especially the pass defense. If they can't stop anybody, good luck, man. Like that, that's gonna be a problem. Their biggest hope is to generate pressure, and they have the guys to do that with Zadarius Smith and Daniil Hunter. You know, you got DJ Wanham coming in to spell. Patrick Jones has flashed as well. If they can get pressure on the quarterback, they can make things a little bit easier on that back end. But the problem is. Sometimes the pressure hasn't always gotten there. And even as recently as the last game, guys like Mac Jones are just chopping them up like cheese. You know, like it's it's been tough to to watch them, you know, have successful offensive possessions and then come right back and allow the defense to give up, you know, big chunk plays and give up touchdowns. Like that's something that In the playoffs, you don't necessarily believe that a team is going to get into a shootout with another team because that's kind of when things slow down. That's kind of when things get a little bit more tight. It's a little bit more pressure. You know, things are are a little bit more, I don't know, tight because, you Mm -hmm. know, you're trying to perform and you're trying to execute at a high level because everything is, is under a microscope and and everything means just that much more. And if you got a team giving up chunk plays and a bunch of points, like good luck in the postseason. Yeah, special teams, I think it's still going to decide the outcome of at least one or two more games this season for the Vikes. You just hope those missed kicks don't come back to haunt them when it matters the most. Because it hasn't yet this year, despite all those missed kicks, Vikings have found ways to win those games. And whether it's Greg Joseph or Ed Ingram, I know people are quick to kind of pull the cord on those guys, say you got to bring somebody. Who are you going to bring in 
especially at this point of the year, I still think their best option is more about coaching adjustments and figuring out ways to kind of mask some of those weaknesses come playoff times anyways. Quick look at the injury report. Dalvin Tomlinson, a Caleb Evans, both a full go at the first practice yesterday, Wednesday. Christian hmm. Derrissaw still in the concussion protocol. So yeah. I guess my question isn't so much which big name do they need back the most this week versus the Jets stretch. It's I want to know which depth guy or backup has impressed you the most when guys have gone down and we've seen others fill in this year. Which non-starter heading into the season has impressed you the most, whether it's a backup role or maybe even a guy just on special teams. We've only seen a little small sample size, but when he is out there, he sticks out to you. I like what I've seen from Brian Asamoah. I mean, mm -hmm. I think he's going to be a stud. Yep. Honestly, though, you, you look at that cornerback position, a Caleb Evans, mm -hmm. he was good in his relief and the the concussion and being out the past couple of weeks really was a, a hurtful thing for the Vikings, especially being down Cam Dantzler already and now losing Andrew Booth Jr. Like they need that help from him. And he has been just about what you expected from a guy that, you know, had Quasi kind of salivating over him in the pre-draft and post-draft process getting his guy. But one guy, too, that has been solid, especially over the last few weeks, is Duke Shelley. The guy mm -hmm. just comes up off the practice squad and, you know, he's making big plays. The big PBU against Washington had another one last week, like, the dude Dawson Knox, plays, the Bills man. game in Buffalo, yeah. huge, huge pass deflection at the end. Yeah, unbelievable. The dude just makes plays, man, and and he's just coming there and and just fill the job and can't say enough about him coming in in relief and doing what he's supposed to do. He has kind of played himself into the rotation. Yeah, I know he's not perfect. They've helped him out a lot with protections, double teams, etc. at times. But how can you not root for Blake Brandle and the job he's done? Six-round pick, Oregon State. Almost impossible shoes to fill coming in for Christian Derrissaw. So the bar was just set ridiculously high. Almost unfair expectations. Cowboys game, they left him out on an island against Demarcus Lawrence and Micah Parsons, which... <laughs> I mean, that's just rude if you ask me, okay? <laughs> Thought he bounced back, though, really well versus the Pats. Again, all things considering, yes, he gave up one sack. Yes, they helped him out. But we all know what a tough three-game stretch for any offensive lineman going from Von Miller to the Cowboys pass rush to the Pats front seven scheme and the looks they give you. But after all those years, we watched this offensive line shuffle guys in and out, trying to find different combinations of what works, what doesn't, to not only have what feels like a cemented starting five the entire year but to have a quality backup swing tackle behind him now it's just awfully nice to see that's all i'll say last one here reg are we downplaying this jets team at all here because when i look at this game in the remaining schedule it's not only the best defense they'll face all year it's the toughest game left on the schedule in my opinion are you sensing any type of trap game scenario here coming off that patriots game and when you look at this jets number one defense what worries you the most for the vikings offense sunday it's not a quote-unquote trap game for me because mm -hmm. i i mean we talked about it yesterday i think this jets team is scary you know they are fighting for their lives in their division. They made a quarterback switch because they needed a spark and they needed to continue to keep up in that division and in that playoff race in the AFC that, you know, is just a, a gauntlet over there. But I'm not underestimating them at all. Like, this is a scary team. That defense, talking about that front seven, 
talking about that back end led by Sauce. Like, those dudes can play, man. And Robert Sala, you know, from his time in San Francisco and now with the Jets, like, he has a bona fide defense that he coaches up. And they're going to give the Vikings some trouble on Sunday. This is not going to be an easy game for them. And anybody thinking that are sadly, sadly misinformed, and they haven't watched a whole lot of football this year from them. Now, we've seen them go down and, and lose some some games that you're like, oh, okay, like they can be beaten, they can be beat bad. Like you, I think back to that Bengals game, I think they beat them something like 27 to 12 or something like that. So, like, they can get exploited. They can get beat, and the Vikings have the weapons, especially on offense, to, you know, kind of take advantage of some matchup. Uh, problems but it's all about execution man and if the Jets come out there and they're you know doing their thing with Mike White like they did last week like it's gonna be tough it's gonna be scary hours but I don't think it's a trap game because I think trap games happen when you are overlooking an opponent Mm -hmm. or you underestimating an opponent the Jets like I said yesterday they're seven and four for a reason so they gotta, they gotta come to play, man. Because if not, you know, you you could see a, another situation where they kind of get down. I like, you know, Philly. Maybe not a Cowboys situation. That was just mm-hmm. too crazy. But you know, we, it, we it could be a situation we, where we they could, where that. they could, yeah, it could be a situation where they could get flat footed and and you know, get booted out of the bank. Yeah, don't underestimate this team. I mean, Robert Sal's got this old-school, tough-nosed defense. They'll smack you in the mouth, man. Remember, Jets play a very similar defense as the Cowboys. Remember how that turned out? Dan Quinn and Robert Sal, they got ties from their days in Seattle. Tons of talent on defense now after that draft. And offensively, they got talented receivers. Elijah Moore, Corey Davis, Garrett Wilson, Braxton Berrios. They got good tight ends. Our boy Tyler Conklin. They got good running backs. And now they got a new quarterback that looks like he knows how to play within their scheme and do what they want to do more than Zach Wilson was. More the gunslinger trying to hit the home run type like we talked about earlier in the week. This Jets team, when we look back from this point, will be the toughest remaining team on the schedule, in my opinion. Not the other New York team, the Giants, like a lot of people think. All right, coming up next, I'm going to ask Reggie the question everyone wants to know. Are the Wolves a better team without Carl Anthony Towns? But first, Vikes now 10-1 to win the Super Bowl. Vikings open this week. First, the Jets as three-point favorites at home in the backyard at the bank. Over-under starts at 42 points. Make sure to keep tabs all season long and check those odds out and more with BetOnline. BetOnline.net, fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Stats, news, info, you want it, they got it. NFL, NHL, NBA, even MMA and UFC. BetOnline makes betting easy and is your number one source for all your betting needs. Go to BetOnline.net today to learn more. That's BetOnline.net, where the game starts. All right. To basketball we go. Hey, Reg, I was there. I saw it with my own two eyes. The Wolves played some team ball last night. We watched Anthony Edwards kind of rise to the occasion. Finally gets the full spotlight. He takes over, leads the team. 27 points on the night, five steals, three blocks. We've all been waiting and asking, like, when's Ant going to take that next step that we know he can into superstardom status? Now that we've seen what he can do without Cat, is this Ant's opportunity to take his game to the next level and just... Take a step back here to help me dissect why this team looks so good 
without their star player last night. Yeah, and looked like him. And hold on, you shortchanged him. You said he had 27 points. He had 29 points. You got to give him his other two. Oh, wait, we, we left early. We, I missed those last two technical free throws there at the end, man. We left early. Okay, my bad. My fault. 29, man. 29. <laughs> No, he he really shined, man, and it, it was really good to see that because he is the guy that needs to step up the most in Carl Anthony Towns' absence. We talked about it yesterday. He really needs to kind of take this team and put it on his back. Now, he doesn't need to be playing some hero ball. There were a couple situations yesterday where it was just like, okay, dude, like you can, you can pass out of it. You don't have to dribble into those double and triple teams. Like it's not that dire of a situation. You got some guys on, on you know. He was trying to go blow for blow with John Morant. It's like, okay, John Morant can do those things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's fine. But, you know, look, you got a team around you. It's not not a hero ball situation. Uh, But I think one thing you asked, why did they look so different and why were they Mm -hmm. still so good without Cat yesterday? I just look, and you probably could tell as well, you were there, the hustle. The yes. hustle of this team. Yes. They were scrappy yesterday, getting mm-hmm. after it on both ends of the floor. I, I remember that one point in the game where Ant blocks the shot on the other end, dunks it on the other end. Like they were playing very scrappy. They started Wendell Moore Jr. because they had four different injuries yesterday. No Torian Prince, out. no Jordan McLaughlin. Yeah. McDaniel still is out. And of course, Cat. And they're out there just hustling like they, you know, you give a young rookie the the ball out there and he's just happy to be there. So he's hustling, scrapping for everything he can get, playing hard. And I think that was a good motivator. That was good for the, the rest of the team to see him out there hungry like that because they kind of came across hungry like that as well. And this, these were the disparities that were interesting to me. You look at some of the, the the overall stats. So Memphis, they shot 42.5%. They were 9 of 26 from 3, right? Not not great. The Wolves mm-hmm. didn't shoot great from 3 as well. They were 30.8 from, from 3. But this was the biggest disparity. Turnovers. The Grizzlies had 27 turnovers last night. The Wolves had 13. 27 to 13. And you know what also was crazy? This was the biggest disparity to me. The Wolves were out-rebounded 59 to 29. And they still won by eight points. They are getting killed on the glass. Rudy Gobert had one rebound last night. One rebound. Nine points one rebound. There was not a player that had more than six rebounds last night. And they still won by eight points. I don't know how you explain that. They aren't going to win every night doing things like that. But they had the togetherness of a team that was hungry and a team that that didn't want to lose last night. The Grizzlies had one, two, three, four, five players in double figures, right? But Ant led the way with 29. D'Lo had 15. Jalen Noel, 24 points off the bench. Oh, my God. I've never sat down and watched that guy. Oh, my God. That dude can ball, man. That that was incredible. That was awesome. You you sound like Shaq. I'm sorry. I I wasn't familiar with your game. (laughs) 
<laughs> but no, honestly, that was that was a good a game as they could hope for with those disparities because you look at the the rebounding battle right there and you would mm-hmm. think that the Wolves will lose by like 10 to 15 and instead they win by eight. So that was a good sign last night. They beat a really good Memphis Grizzlies team, a Grizzlies team that, you know, was was without a couple players. You know, they, they didn't have Bain, but mm-hmm. a Grizzlies team that you still expect to, to play hard. They did have Jaron Jackson Jr. out there. They had Dylan Brooks. So, like, they, I mean, they still had Brandon Clark. They still had, like, the, the guys that could get it done. And the Wolves went out there, out-hustled them, which you don't see in all these games that they play, and they got the dub. That was a very impressive showing from the Wolves. I lean on you for this stuff. Is Cat known for maybe not playing with the most hustle, getting back defensively, and turning the ball over? I remember this Memphis T-Wolves series last year. T-Wolves just shot themselves in the foot so many times with so many turnovers. And I get it. I get it. I know logically it doesn't make any sense. Like, he's an all-star, max contract player. How could this team be better without him? Doesn't make any sense. But having said that, now that you just called out the two biggest Achilles or weaknesses, turnovers and not hustling and playing good defense, is this team better without Carl Anthony Towns right now? No. No. You don't replace a guy like that. Look, it's a one-game sample size, and they played well. But they're going to take their lumps as well without Cat. There are going to be nights where, like I said, they only shot 30.8% from three. If Cat is out there, that percentage goes up, in my opinion, because he is one of the best big man shooting threes in the game right now. And look, you don't replace a guy that, well, this season is averaging nearly 21 points a game. Like, you don't replace that with with nothing, you know? Like, you, you still have to go out there and try to find ways to to replace the production of a guy like that. I think it's tough. I, I understand you're losing the points, but what about the hustle and the defense and limiting the turnovers and things like that, though, too? I get it. Like, the points are hard to replace. But in turn, if you're exchanging that for better defense, more hustle for some reason, and less turnovers, maybe you take that, don't you? I just think it's it's very convenient. You know, this team has hustled. <laughs> One game. This One team, game. Yeah, this team has hustled. <laughs> this team has played better defense with Cat there. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of they have much more that they have to overcome without Cat. Mm-hmm. And so they have to play a little bit differently. Whereas, like, you know, Cat kind of takes up for some of the team's deficiencies at times, but they understand that without Cat out there, they have to play a little bit different brand of basketball because he kind of helps, you know, when when the defense is not playing well, when they aren't hustling as as much. You've seen them come down, get it to Cat, and he pops a three to keep them in a game. Look, I'm not a cat apologist. I do understand Mm -hmm. that he has his deficiencies as a player. Sometimes he tries to do a little bit too much. He can turn it over. You know, the the leg kick on the three, always drawing the foul on that. Like, I understand there are things that he does that you're just like, ah! But, like, to say that this team is better without him, I think is quite the overstatement. I get it. So, hypothetically, he's going to be out four to six weeks. Say that's, what, 30 games? What kind of record would they need to have over those 30 games for you to finally get to the point where you say, all right, maybe they just are, for whatever reason, they play better team basketball without Cat. What kind of run would they need to go on? 20 I mean, and 10 in those 30 games? Like, is that enough for you to say? Yeah, hey, I mean, that, that'd be good. I, I, 
I still don't think, though, Luke, you keep trying to bait me into saying that this team is going to be better without Cat, and it's not. They wouldn't even tell you that. And I know our producer, Matt, is is thinking the same thing you're thinking, but you guys are both wrong, man. Just just watch these next, you know, 20-plus games play out, see how they go. If they play well, it's because they're they're doing what they need to do to overcome Cat's absence. And maybe that that allows Cat to see the game from a different perspective when he comes back. He's not trying to do too much. He's just trying to add to what the success that they do have, if they do, you know, have good success in his absence. But you don't have an all-star go down and you say, oh, this is a better team. Like with the Lakers, the Lakers are without Anthony Davis for big stretches of time. And you don't say, oh, the Lakers are better. Even if they can win, uh, you know, right. some games, you don't say, oh, the Lakers are better without Anthony Davis. Like, when he's out there, like, he's a difference maker. Mm-hmm. But sometimes he's just not out there a lot because he, he gets these freak injuries. But any all-star that is on this team, like, you, just, like the Clippers won all those games without Kawhi last year. But I don't think you would say, oh, man, the Clippers are a better team without Kawhi Leonard. No, like, Kawhi Leonard is a future Hall of Famer multiple time NBA champion like you you there's no way you could say the Clippers are better without uh, without Kawhi but like they are able to overcome his absence because they got guys like Paul George and and Reggie Jackson elevates his level of play and they're able to overcome uh, an absence like that but no stretch of the imagination are they better without Kawhi Leonard and it's the same with the Wolves they're not better without Cat but they can find ways to play better in his absence you heard it here first T-Wolves are a better team without Carl Anthony Towns Reggie Wilson Carol Evans very own I'm teasing I'm teasing I'm done I'll stop I'll stop I'll stop you're right it's one game let's see how these next four or five weeks play out fans love to see though maybe not all is lost without cat in the meantime wolves play again saturday night at home at the target center versus the thunder rest assured reggie and i will be back monday to break it all down all right rich aaron Rodgers will play this sunday if healthy however jordan love looked sharp sunday night versus the eagles what does it mean for the future of the packers quarterback position this year and beyond well, this year means that if Aaron Rodgers is healthy, he's going to play. For the next few years, it means that you're not going to get rid of a guy like Aaron Rodgers that you're paying $50 million a year. So Jordan Love is just going to have to sit and wait. Well, sorry to say. I don't think they can keep both of them next year. They have to either offer Jordan Love a fifth-year option. They got to commit next year to one or the other. Which way do you think they lean, knowing just how good Jordan Love looked Sunday night? Still Aaron Rodgers, though. It's still Aaron Rodgers. And look, there have been times that Jordan Love has not looked all that good. You know, True. like mm-hmm. that, that game against Detroit last season, that was that was something. He looked pretty good in that one, but he wasn't able to bring them over the top for a win last year in his relief. But look, there have been times where he's looked good. Look, he hit a slant to Christian Watson, and Christian Watson took it like 60 yards. Like, right. Let's let's cool it, okay? Let's cool it on. Okay, is is Jordan Love better than better option than Aaron Rodgers moving forward? Blah blah blah. Like I get that. I do understand you don't want to lose out on a quarterback of the future, a la, you know, the Patriots and Jimmy Garoppolo. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. 
at this point, you've signed Aaron Rodgers to an extension. And unless he wants to retire, he's like, you know what? I'm done. I'm just going to go and chase these conspiracy theories until I find a, a home or, you know, just chase these conspiracy theories like a squirrel trying to find a nut until I find it. Like, unless he says, like, okay, I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore or I can't do this anymore. You've already put your stake in the sand, like who you've committed to. So if it's a case of, well, we got to figure out what we want to do with Jordan Love, it might be a case of, man, like we got to just sell high. Mm-hmm. He's played well in the games that he's, you know, been in relief of Aaron Rodgers. Maybe see if they can get like a second round pick for him and and in the future try to draft another quarterback who can be the heir apparent to Aaron Rodgers. But, you know, it's tough. They They, they gave up quite a bit. Jordan Love, a, a high draft pick. You don't want to lose him for nothing. But at the end of the day, you sign Aaron Rodgers to this big money extension to be your quarterback of the near future. So you got to stick with him. Yeah, it's a tough spot they're in for sure. Again, they likely can only keep one. And you just groomed for four years Jordan Love. He looks, mm-hmm. I know, I, again, all things considering, pump the brakes. But he looks like he's ready to at least get a crack at this thing. Aaron Rodgers, on the other hand, Looks a little older, hasn't looked his best, hasn't looked like the Aaron Rodgers of old. And you can't cut Aaron Rodgers next year. 99 million dead cap. He would either mm. have to retire or you'd have to trade him somehow, some way. So they're just in a really tough spot. And again, the bigger picture, the NFC North, again, just seems like things are changing over this next year or two. We'll see how it all mm-hmm. shakes out, though, as this season concludes, too. Because once they're out of the playoffs officially, if and when that does happen, you may see Jordan Love the rest of the way. We'll see. All right, that's a wrap today. Remember, like, rate, review, and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Join us every day for another episode with your 30-minute breakdown of everything Minnesota sports. We're a podcast, too, free and available, all platforms. Subscribe. Drop us that five-star review and find us now streaming on your Roku or Amazon Fire Stick devices. Just look out for our Locked On Sports Minnesota app there as well. That's the man, Reggie Wilson, on Twitter, at Reggie Wilson TV. Check him out every night at Upon Care 11. I'm Luke Inman on Twitter, at Luke underscore Spinman. Special thanks to the producer, Matt DeBritz. We're back tomorrow with the Roundtable, part of Locked On Sports Minnesota. For Reggie, I'm Luke. Until tomorrow, signing off. Be blessed. Spread love today. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.